It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Buckeye Talk is brought to you by Barnes & Noble, the Ohio State University bookstore, located at 1598 North High Street, the corner of 11th and High in Columbus. And you can find everything they offer at shopohiostate.com. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Bill Landis, Tim Bielek in our Chicago hotel room. And I'm going to be honest, we're going to try to get this podcast done quickly because it's been a long day and we are excited to head to the underground, Chicago's sexiest nightclub, which is right next door to our Fairfield Inn. It's also the number one celebrity spot. We don't know what celebrities might be there, frankly. With the way that Buckeye Talk is growing, we might qualify as celebrities at the underground Chicago's sexiest nightclub. I thought that was our hotel room. (laughs) That got weird. All right, we all were wearing our shorts and our T-shirts. We were all sweaty today. We're at Big Ten Media Days. Things finished up on Tuesday. This is our regular Wednesday Buckeye Talk. We gave you an emergency Buckeye Talk on Monday because of the news that Zach Smith had been fired by Ohio State. On Tuesday, we heard from Urban Meyer several times about that. We have multiple stories up at cleveland.com slash OSU. Go read those. But we're also going to talk about Urban Meyer, Zach Smith, what's happening with Ohio State. We're going to talk about other things that Urban Meyer talked about at Big Ten Media Days on Tuesday. And then we will get to your questions and there is some other good Ohio State stuff, right? There's some interesting stuff, right? Yeah, I thought it was a good good day of information gathering beyond the Zach Smith stuff, which was obviously number one on the list, but there was other stuff. So here's where I want to start, and I want to start by telling you guys you can follow us on Twitter at Buckeye Talk Pod, at Tim Bielek, at Doug Maurice, at Bill Landis25. Um, read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Here we are. Zach Smith is gone, but this is going to stick with Ohio State for a little bit. So I wrote a big column basically saying that I have no reason to think that Urban Meyer is lying. We don't have any proof of that right now, so I believe what he said on Tuesday, and that I believe that what he said is a reasonable enough explanation of what happened with Zach Smith that I think Ohio State and Urban Meyer can move past this, assuming that they were telling the truth. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to imply anything. This is not a wink-wink, nudge-nudge. 
hey, like if they're telling the truth, like I'm just mean if they're telling the truth. Um, there are other people out there who have written interesting, good things, reporters that I respect, who who are not being as lenient on Urban Meyer about this. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic wrote that he thought Urban Meyer has lost the benefit of the doubt that he had built up at Ohio State. That sounded like I got choked up. <laughs> Urban Meyer's lost the benefit of the doubt. I just had a frog in my throat because we've been talking all day. <laughs> I don't cry over Ohio State. Here's what I cry about. I cry when vacations are over, and I cry at male affection. Oh, really? Father-son kind of stuff, like brothers, like... Do, like, you, do you cry every time you watch a video of a walk-on getting a scholarship? No. Not that male affection. That's fake male affection. No, that, between the no. teammates? That's real. No, but it's staged. It's staged for the video. Or what about... What, yeah, that's true. Or what about when t- guys get a new locker room like Georgia Tech did? They put up a video this morning. They got a brand new $5 million locker room. That actually looks pretty sweet. Do I cry over the new locker room and how beautiful it is? No. Is that the question? Well, no. I mean... That reaction seems at least semi-gen. At least no, British. I'm talking about fathers and sons playing catch. The end of Field of Dreams kind of stuff. Did you cry every time our colleague Joe Noga tweeted a video of him and his son playing catch around America? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm not crying about this. <laughs> Was I too lenient on Urban Meyer, Bill Landis? <clears throat> no. No, I don't think so. Uh I think there was an, an opening perhaps to be a little more critical, but I, do, I think it's tough because, like you said, I, I, as long as he's telling the truth, I, I think what he said on Tuesday was okay. It's a tough position to be in because there's really not anything you can say that anyone's going to think is sufficient. It is, and it's not like, I'm not saying this because I feel bad for him, but it's just like it's a no-win situation where Nirvana Meyer, you have to stand up there and answer questions about it. There's nothing you can say that's going to make people happy. Um he could have been more evasive, I thought. He could have said nothing. I think there are some coaches who would have said nothing, and in the past coaches have been in similar situations and said nothing. Um, Urban was probably about as transparent as I thought he would be, but I think gave us a little bit of, of insight at least. I, I'm, a little, I'm still a little unclear, and you asked this, and Britt McMurphy asked this, and I guess I was trying to get at this, but I didn't ask it the right way is, is why did he fire him? If he, if the 2015 thing didn't matter and, and he knew about the 2009 thing, then why did he fire him? And that's still not totally clear. Although you, I think maybe you disagree with that a little bit. I'm still not totally clear on that. Um, but I thought that we got, you know, mostly adequate information out of urban. So I thought that you were fair and you were not too lenient on him. Tim, how did you think the day went with, with what urban said? And listen, Am I here to toot our horns? Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm just telling you this because in the modern world, you have a lot of places that you can get your information. And I think it's valuable for people to know like the process a little bit. So I'm just going to tell you this. Urban Meyer got four questions at the podium related directly to the Zach Smith situation and the handling of it. Three of them were asked by Cleveland.com. He got four questions that he answered in the one-on-one session the hour-long session later on that wasn't on TV, all four of them were asked by Cleveland.com. So, I also talked to him in the hallway before he talked to the and, and people Myself and Tim May. Tim May and Bill Landis got there early to stake out Urban Meyer. First thing in the morning. The very first thing that you learned about this situation, you learned from reading Bill Landis' story at 8.30 this morning, whatever it was, 
Eight forty. What time story go up? Eight forty. Yeah. Eight thirty-seven. Eight eight thirty-four. Eight thirty-four and a half. So listen, that's just fact, and you should know that, so that when we're talking about this, we're the same people who talk to him about it. All right. And now we're talking to you. Tim Bielek, the way Urban Meyer answered questions today, how many questions he answered, the way he handled it. Did did it match what you thought he would do today? I think so. And I think kind of as the day went on was, you know, the more we talked to him, the more I think we got pieces to the puzzle. First with Bill and Tim May talking to him, and then, you know, on the session that we got on Big Ten Network. And I mentioned this in the video um, that we shot right after that where I was still a little – curious about 2015 and then we talked to him about that and then you know we got the information from the Powell Police Department they sent that to us and I think that provided a little clarity as to you know the possibility of why he didn't know that information so here's and I wrap this up in my column and, and you guys poke holes where you think holes are can be poked right now and I'm we're, we're talking about this a little bit to, to a degree that we assume you guys have some basic facts of this I don't think we need to run down Everything that happened before this, I think you guys have the idea that Zach Smith had domestic abuse allegations against him. They came out Monday morning. By Monday night, Ohio State had fired him. And on Tuesday, Urban Meyer showed up in Chicago to talk about it. Here is my belief of what Urban Meyer is standing on. This is pieced together from the things he said at various points and a little bit of filling in the blank because I, th- I think he was maybe 70. My voice is really... It's leaving me. I don't know if I'm going to – we're going to have to do like a 20-minute podcast and cut it off. Cut it off in 20 minutes. <coughs> I thought it was about 73% clear on like – it's not – we don't have – it's not like we have no idea what he really is saying. That, like we don't know – all we know is what he said at this point. Maybe there's a way to find out other facts later. But at the, at the moment, mostly what we know is what he said. I think we have a decent grasp of what he was trying to say. Like you said, if we would have been able to ask a few more questions, we could have pinned down a little more. But here's my understanding of it through what Urban said. In 2009, there was an incident at Florida when Zach Smith was a 24-year-old staffer where the police report says he, he pushed his then-pregnant wife against the wall. Urban talked to both Courtney Smith and Zach Smith in that moment, and he thought it was a young couple having some early trouble, but he, he, there were no charges. He told his bosses at Florida about it. And since there were no charges and since it seems like he's saying he got a decent vibe from Zach and Courtney about it, he sort of let it go. The 2015 incident, which again, thanks to Bill Landis and Tim Bielek and the work they've done on this, Bill called. Tim went and got police reports the other day. Bill called the Powell police today, talked to people. We got emailed reports. There were two incidents in 2015. Urban Meyer says he didn't know about those. There was a lot of confusion during the day. The bottom line is they, there were incidents. We now know that, but Urban Meyer didn't know about them. That's what he's saying. And at the moment, we have no, re, we have no reason to expect, suspect otherwise. He says he didn't know. Okay, he says he didn't know. So it was 2009, he knew about it, thought it was handled. 2015, didn't know about that. Now we get to this May, there's a report, there's some confusion about Zach dropping off or picking up the kids. It leads to a criminal trespass charge in May. That came out in the last week. Urban knows about that, starts looking into that. She requests a protective order on Friday. They know about that. Now on Monday, 
there's a big story about it, and it goes public for the first time. And the combination of the criminal trespass, the request for the protective order, and the fact that all this became public because public pressure is a part of this, led to them hiring, led to them firing Zach Smith. So there's three moments. 2009, he knew it, thought it was handled, moved on. 2015, didn't know about it. 2018, knew about it, fired him. If you believe him, and again, I think it's fair for the moment to operate under the assumption that you do believe him. And even the people who are criticizing him aren't necessarily saying they think he's straight out lying. They just think maybe he's should have handled things differently, right? Yeah, yeah. But if those are the three moments in time, is, is it not possible that you could see that as a reasonable handling of the situation? Yeah, I, I think so. There was he said something that that I th- I thought was a little maybe misguided, and I want to find the the exact quote. Where is it? Is that from? the Let me get some water. Is that the one on one or the? Uh... No, he he said it during the breakout interviews, and he was describing the incident in two thousand nine, and he was talking about meeting with Zach Smith and his ex wife, and he said, uh, I. It was a very young couple, and I saw a very talented coach. And I thought like that. I saw a very talented coach, like, I don't know. It just sounds like something that can come back to bite him if, for whatever reason, it comes out that he knew the full scope of, of what happened and what was detailed in the police report is what happened to a T. And in some way, Urban disregarded the severity of it because he saw a young, talented coach. I think that could become a problematic quote from Urban. Um, other than that, all the other things you laid out, I think, are, are reasonable. And then the thing that I just said is, like, it's not – I honestly don't even know how you could prove that. Um, but if there's a way to prove that Urban knew about the full scope and severity of that incident, and that incident was, like I said, what was detailed in the, in the Gainesville police report, then I think that's an issue. Because then he knowingly hired, you know, a violent person. Right, because he because he quote saw a young talented coach, right. So that's the only that's the only in, in the scenario you laid out. That's the hang up I have. Okay. And I guess and again, like you said, <clears throat> there seems to be again the police report is is pretty damning from two thousand nine. Yeah, there's a lot in there. Like, but yeah, beyond the the, the worst thing is is Zach pushing allegedly pushing his wife up against the wall when she was pregnant. But there are other things that led to that altercation that also reflect poorly on Zach Smith bringing home a young staffer. He was drunk. Um, his wife had to drive that young staffer home, female staffer. He was calling her baby. Um, yeah, there's a lot in there um, that, that reflects poorly on Zach that even short of the alleged physical contact. Right. So, and I do think there's two separate issues with the 2009 thing. One is keeping him on staff at the moment in 2009 at Florida. But then the second is that you decide to hire that guy at Ohio State to a full-time assistant job. Because yeah. it's very different. There are people on your staff who are lower on the ladder, who are, are not making big money, who are not interacting with the players, who do not have authority over teenage players. Um that those people move in and out, and that this, those, those jobs aren't as important. 
But when you hire that person at age 27, Zach Smith is 27 when he gets hired by Ohio State in 2012, that is a different thing. Because you could have kept him on in 2009 but said to yourself, well, I'm just not going to hire that person to a bigger, more important job because I because of that incident, even though there were no charges, like I can't trust him. Yeah. But do you think – so do you think it was a mistake? I'll ask both you guys straight up. Tim Bielek first. Was it a mistake for Urban Meyer to hire Zach Smith in 2012? Uh, that's a difficult question. I mean, I think Urban seems like a person who's willing to give second chances. If he th- if he thought Zach Smith, you know, had turned the corner and he hadn't heard anything for a couple of years, seemed like a guy he could trust, you know, that maybe this was he thought this was a one-off. So I think in that instance, I think I don't think it was a mistake in his mind because just because he believed he he had some trust in him and knew him pretty well from Florida. It was a mistake. And also like an an, an unnecessary risk uh to hire someone with, at the very least, a bit of a checkered past, who I actually did, doesn't fit the profile of talented young coach, but is your mentor's grandson. And we have to, I, I mean, like everyone acknowledges that. Obviously, that played a role in all. And I can't, I asked Urban about that in the, in the news conference. What did it, what was the role that this is Earl's grandson, right? Did I ask that? Yep. Mm-hmm. What did he say? I can't remember. I don't know. But <clears throat> there's, he said a bunch of stuff. But, but I, I do think it's fair, and this is us speculating, but I just think Zach Smith would not have been on the Ohio State staff if he was not Earl Smith's, Earl Bruce's grandson. And I think you could have thought that in 2012 because why are they hiring a 27-year-old coach who's been a full-time coach for two years, one year at Temple, one year at Boston College, now he's the Ohio State receivers coach. Why is that guy being hired? You could have asked that just on the surface, without knowing that he had anything in his past that was an issue. And now we know that he did have it. It's something that at least should have raised questions at the very least. Yeah. Do you want the quote about Earl? Yeah. I have it, I have it written down. Uh, you asked him, uh, essentially, like how, what, what, what role did your relationship with Earl play in the, I guess, like, Urban said it was a tough decision. You asked what, your, what role your relationship with Earl played in that. Urban said, uh, Zach was first hired because of his skill set. I knew about him because he was with me at Florida. He played for me at Bowling Green. And then he said, Coach Bruce, that's the strongest relationship I've ever had, other than my father. I've made that clear many times. And then he said, he said the big picture, that was very important in this, in this particular situation. Now, I don't know if he meant, meant, like, in the big picture, his relationship with Earl was important, or, like, the big picture... Of like what this all means for Ohio State was important. Like I was unclear about that. You know what I mean about that part of the quote? Yeah. Um, and then he said that's one of the harder jo- harder jobs of a leader. You have to make decisions that are best for the program, and I did. So um, I think he's I, I, like of all the things like I believe him, I don't quite believe him on that. Yeah. I mean I think you know I think he he hired him like for him to say he would have been hired he was hired because of his skill set I don't believe his skill set was not. He did not have this, the best skill set of all the receivers coaches who would have come to Ohio State in 2012 yeah. to work for Urban Meyer on his first staff after Urban Meyer comes back to coaching. He could have gotten a more qualified, better coach. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Everybody else on his staff was more qualified. So I don't really believe that. Um, but that's fine. That's like a, that's a, that's a, a more harmless lie. 
Um, so do I think it was a mistake? Um, I think it probably was a mistake, but I don't think it was a um, devastating how could anyone do this yeah. kind of mistake. Again, I don't – and I do – do you guys believe that society ha- – how far do you think society has come since 2009 when it comes to having an understanding – and having an understanding of, of how, how to deal with situations like domestic abuse. Re- really far, I think. I, I, more more willing to have a conversation, at least. I, obviously, there's still a long way to go. But And I don't I don't have, I don't know, it was a, you're talking about 10 years ago. I don't have intimate or, yeah, intimate memories of that. But it seems like we're in a time that is more aware of these things and willing to discuss them and certainly more sensitive to them. And I, and I do, and it, it, it's not an excuse, but... I do think it would be handled differently if it, if what happened in 2009 happened in 2018. I think it should be handled differently, would be handled differently. And I think it's okay. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't excuse it. But I think when someone, like if you just said like, oh, I didn't care about that. But they did look into it. And, and I think in the context of 2009, what Urban Meyer is saying made more sense in the context of 2009 than it would make in the context of 2018. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's, again, I'm not trying to make an excuse. I just think it's something to consider um, as part of this. So the, the, the question we started with is whether I, I was too lenient on Urban with what I wrote. Um, we don't know what's going to happen. I like to do percentage chances. No, I don't, I don't think it's appropriate to do percentage chances. I was going to say, like, what's, what's the percentage chance that this blows up? Yeah, I don't know if that's appropriate. Either. I don't think that's appropriate. Um, what wh- – how about this, Bill? Give me give me two or three scenarios of, of what you think – where you think things could go from here. There's a hearing on August 3rd um, for the most recent uh, protective order that Zach Smith's, Zach Smith's ex-wife filed against him. Um, I think there's some like potential discovery in that that um, maybe maybe wouldn't be damning for Urban, but the reason the order was given, well, at least the, in the report by Brett McMurphy, was because of a, of a history of domestic abuse. And if that's true and that is detailed in that hearing, um, then it's clear that there was a lot about Zach Smith that Urban Meyer either didn't know about or is lying about his knowledge of. Um, so like that, I think that's step one, that's next week. Uh, so I think we can learn a little more there beyond that. I honestly don't know because it's not like Zach Smith is going to get like like the 2009 thing is not going to get relitigated. The 2015 thing that he was never charged for is not going to get relitigated. Um, and he's not and anything, I don't know, anything that could potentially happen in the future doesn't impact Ohio state anymore. Um, so I think, I think a lot hinges on August 3rd. And, and what potentially comes out of that. And if nothing comes out of it, then I don't, I don't know how much bigger this gets, uh, if at all. Tim? Yeah. I, I'm kind of in line with Bill. We're going to find out a lot about that. And, and really the only thing that can, you know, essentially clear Urban is time, you know, the events 
like time kind of running its course. I think it go- kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, and that I kind of lost my train of thought for a second while I try and get it back. Um, you, I think it was – I'm trying to remember if it was you, Doug, that said, like, there's almost nothing Ehrman could have said that sat- would have satisfied everybody today. I said that. Okay, you said that, Bill. I'm sorry. Please uh, slate me. Okay. Bill said that. According to Bill Landis. Okay. According to Bill Landis, nothing Urban said was going to really fix anything. I think that's true because we're not going to know the full extent of this for a little while. There's still got to be a lot that's still got to come out. And who knows when we, you know, reach the end of this. It could be August 3rd. It could be October 27th. It could be 2020 for all we know. Yeah, I think... um... I don't know if it, if it will drag on quite that long. I, I think we'll I think we'll know in short order whether or not this is going to be something bigger or if this is going to go away, you know, relatively quickly and quietly. I wonder. So I'm reading now a column that was oh, I was posted a couple hours ago. I just saw it by Nancy Armour from USA Today. The headline is "Character and Morals?" Question mark Self preservation is Urban Meyer's true guiding force. It begins, Urban Meyer preaches a good game about accountability, responsibility, and respect for women. His tolerance of Zach Smith, however, reveals his true character. The Ohio State football coach told several different stories but had no believable explanation Tuesday for why he'd suddenly fired his longtime receivers coach the night before, hours after Smith's history of domestic violence allegations surfaced. What Meyer did know, however, was that he believed the people who told him there was nothing to allegations against Smith in 2015. And that incident back in 2009, well, it wasn't what it seemed. Domestic issues are a lot of he said, she said, Meyer said. That's the same tired argument people have been using for years to dismiss or excuse domestic violence, endangering women in the process. That Meyer would trot it out as a defense shows that for all his talk about character and morals, self-preservation is his true guiding force. Um... I think I disagree with the point that, like, the idea that, like, there's no explanation for why this unfolded this way. And I think it's what I, what I laid out earlier. Yeah. I think what I laid out earlier is, I think it's possible, I mean, it's what he said. It's my understanding of what he said. I think it's right. And I, I just don't, I don't think that's indefensible. Like if your if your if your only point is Urban Meyer, like basically should have vowed should have fired Zach Smith in two thousand nine and vowed to never hire him again. One one incident of alleged domestic abuse, even though no charges were filed, that's it. it I guess if that's your argument, I think that's a that's an argument. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. But if that's not your argument, then I don't know what your argument is. If he didn't know about 2015. What, once he let 2009, once he believed that he got an explanation for 2009, he's saying he didn't know about anything else until now. And they fired him. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that column, but, but I don't think it's unfair I, I did, when Urban said he said she said I thought he see, like he came off to me as like a little out of touch today and <clears throat> and his story was kind of all over the place regarding 2015. Uh, he said something different when we had him in a breakout mm-hmm. interview than he did at the podium and then that he did when I met with him and, and Tim May and myself talking in the hallway he said the same thing he said at the podium. Um, I said like o- almost 
suggesting that the story had been made up. Which right. is clearly not true. There's police reports from it for it. So, and then he, and then he changed the story later, like without sort of any really explanation why. I don't know if he got more information in the four hours between. He was at the luncheon, so I don't know if that's the case or not. Um, but I think if you want to criticize Urban for not having a story straight about 2015 and coming off as a little out of touch in regards to saying things like he said, she said, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I guess the idea is if you're... If you believe that he is more worried with self-preservation or whatever that kind of thing, I think that then you you believe that he knew about this stuff and didn't do anything about it. Yeah, and I don't know if I believe. It. I don't know if I believe that. I'm not saying it's it's possible that it's true. I just I'm not I'm not ready to say that that I think that yet. Yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know that we have enough information to say that. Yeah. It's certainly fair, I think, to question it. Because there's some just logic to it to say, which is the stuff that comes up with head coaches all the time. He's the head coach. You're in charge of everything. You're the most powerful man in Ohio State. You're the most powerful man in Columbus. How can you not know about this stuff? And on some level, if you if you didn't know, you should have known. And if you did know, you should have done something. So, but we but he's saying he didn't know. And when we got the police reports today. And Bill, when you talk to the people, explain what you asked the Powell police to give you. I said I was trying to find some information on an incident um, with the Powell police that, that I was mostly trying to figure out if it happened. And what I knew was the date and one of the people involved was Zach Smith and I knew his date of birth from the report from the criminal trespassing from last week. So uh, I talked to a spokesperson from the Pal Police. She said, send me the information you have. I sent her uh, the date, Zach Smith's full name, and his date of birth, and said, do you have any records involving this person on this date? And I got back <coughs> the incident that was previously reported by Brett McMurphy and 11 Warriors from, from October 26, 2015, where he was uh, arrested but not charged, and the, the uh, it was uh, – Domestic abuse and felonious assault, but his name is not on the report because he was not charged. His na- his name, and then there's a second report. There's a second report, and the and it's a, it was from November of 2015, a few days before uh, divorce proceedings began. I think it was a, November 9th is the date of, of this incident, and the divorce proceedings began on the 12th. Um, and this was a stalking accusation that again. Involved Zach Smith, involved his ex-wife, but Zach Smith's name is not on the report because he was not charged. And there was a third report they sent, which was the criminal trespass one from May, mm-hmm. right? And his name is on that. Because he was charged. So the issue of why could nobody find this? Because Brett McMurphy had reported this, but it was not available in public records. And, and Urban is saying... Ohio State tried to find these records on Monday, and they couldn't find them. They called the police and were told there weren't any. The police chief was quoted in the Columbus Dispatch as saying, I'm scratching my head over this. I don't know what this is. This is the Powell police chief. Mm-hmm. So I think there is an explanation for, like, how did – how if Urban – if – again, it's what he's saying. I, here's the one th- – I'm going to interrupt myself. I don't want to do that. I want to finish this thought. We had trouble, everybody had trouble getting these records because Zach Smith's name weren't on the records. And when you do database searches and you can look in a lot of different 
county and city and police and court record databases, and they're all by a person's name. And Zach Smith's name wasn't popping on those because his name's not on it. So then it's like, well, how do you know it's him? Well, because we know it's his ex-wife. It's Courtney Smith. And because you asked for Zach Smith records. You didn't ask for Courtney Smith records. I did, I did not put her name on my request. And the police gave it to you. Yes. And then every description within the incident, there's not a lot of details, but all the descriptions match everything we're talking about. But the police would not have given you and other media outlets these records if they weren't him. But right. his name's not on it. So his name not being on those two records is some explanation for why it took so long for everybody to get him, but also maybe why Ohio State never found out about him. Yeah, and I think this was the theory that I kind of pitched to you a little bit when that stuff came out is because I, I know I've only been on the beat for a year, but I know how competitive this is, you know, how fast information goes. Like when the information about the criminal trespass came out, I was at a Raising Cane's and raced across uh, 750 to go to Powell Police Department to pick up the records. Did you get the Kenny combo? No, I got the box. Okay. I go with the standard box, but I'm getting away from the point. The point is... The point is Kane's. Yes. Well, we'll get to food later. Okay. But the point is when it comes to this, considering that fact and how much we're, you know, everybody's looking for this stuff, this came out so quickly about, two, about the criminal trespass. The fact that this didn't come out for three years, considering that stuff, you can make... That's where I think you make the case for... Urban didn't know because unless Zach Smith tells him, unless like someone that someone tells Urban Meyer directly that this happens, he's not gonna, he probably won't find out. And I mean, this is just theory right now. We're saying this this is the presumption that Urban is telling the truth that he did not know. So, the, so one thing is, I mean, it's not like Urban Meyer. The only way he gets information is from police reports. Yeah, like there's a lot of talk going on. I mean. It's certainly possible he could have found out a different way. I'm just saying I think his name not being on there is a little explanation in the confusion, at least of recent times. Yeah. Because I think what threw Urban off to some degree is when he's saying, like, I don't know, this guy made it. Because he, he's saying Ohio State people – the report is there's a Powell police report. There's, a, there's an offense report from 2015 about Zach Smith. Ohio State calls the Powell police and says – what do you have? And they say, we don't have anything. So then Urban comes here and says, I don't know who's making this stuff up. And I think he he is a little stronger in that language. He's acting like this is made up. Because what happened is his people called, Ohio State called, and there was no information. Yeah, I I think that the, the way the documents were um, presented to us without the name on it, it, it makes it plausible that, that Urban couldn't know, like you said. Again, and, and this is sort of like critiquing how he handled how he handled today more so than he handled the situation. Like saying he said, "Like how could somebody make that up?" Right? Is that what right. he said? Which I think how could someone I think create a story? Which I I think was intended to for the media, right? But also on a day where he said he said she said, I think could also be misconstrued and taken as an allegation that someone involved in the incident made it up. Yeah. And if and if and I just think he was not very careful with his language today. Yeah. Also, it could be a thing where, you know, he found out the similar time frame that we found out. That kind of goes back to that thing about the, the last page of those documents being redacted and not, us not being Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I, – I think I think that's very plausible that that's the reason he didn't know about it. I just like I, – I, I don't think he handled, handled it all that well. I, he he seemed the, unprepared. 
I thought, I th- and I thought he could have said something along to the effects of, you know what, uh, we did check it out in 2009. I talked to them. You know, no, maybe knowing now what I know about those situations, maybe I could have handled it better. But I'll tell you what, it was just it, nine years ago. I just thought about things differently. That's on me. It wasn't. It was maybe a, maybe it was a mistake, but it was made in good faith. I thought I was doing the right thing by trying to talk to these two married people that I knew their fam knew them intimately, and maybe I didn't handle it right. But it wasn't. But when I hired him in 2012, I did not think there was a problem, and I thought he could have been a little more contrite yeah. in maybe saying, maybe I could have done it, but if I did it wrong in 2009, it wasn't because I was trying to cover it up to hire a coach. It's just because I thought I was doing the right thing, and maybe I wasn't. And he didn't. He didn't really go down that road at all. No, and I also think like I think it's easy. It's easy to suggest after the fact, like what he could have said. Um, and again, it's not to make excuses for him, but like, uh, again, I don't, I don't, there's not, he couldn't have said anything to make anybody happy. Um, I just thought he could have been, I could he could have been more prepared. I thought, and, but, but I guess my, the, the main point is this, it's not, he's not going to, in the end, his fate is not going to be determined by what, the phrases he used today. No, it'll be the, determined by the actions that he took and what he knew right. and what he didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And if he directly lied about something. Yeah. Which is not about how he phrased something. Sure. So, <clears throat> you're, we're, we're, we're yeah. In the end, we're critiquing two different things. We're critiquing how he handled the situation and how he presented himself at media day. Right. Yeah. And so, if you have a problem with he said, she said, using that phrase, if you have a problem with what he said about creating a story, I think that's completely valid. But but the real issue is, was it an what he the way he handled it in the moment in 2009 is that an unforgivable mistake i mean not no not automatically not not if not if what he said today is true right and so so if your point is i i think the point is more about the actions than the words today yeah. except if the words weren't true right it's if the explanation was inelegant or poorly phrased or not as contrite as it could have been. I think that's a secondary issue to the actions and was he telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So, and and if you're saying, if anybody, and I'm not the, the the reporters I've cited, I didn't read their stories thoroughly enough. I'm not saying that anybody directly said he lied, but like if you're saying he lied, he did know about 2015. You have to have proof of that. Sure. You can't just say he lied because of course coaches know that. You don't know that. So that's where I am, and I'm going to believe him for now, and I'm comfortable with my position because I think it's not unreasonable. But if he did lie, then all bets are off. Yeah, and I agree. I think that's where I am too. I agree with that. Yeah. All right, that's some heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. So um, the main goal here, our opinions on this matter, because we hope you guys trust us on this. We hope you see us as experts on Ohio State. We hope you see us as people who uh, attempt um, to do the best reporting and writing we can do in good faith. So we appreciate you guys tuning in to listen to this. But the, the main point we want to do is just try to clarify and present like Ohio State and urban side of the story. I think that's the most important part here. And then to some degree, you can draw your own conclusions. And then there is a, a continued reporting that may be done to find out as many facts about this situation as possible. So stay tuned on that. 
Um, this is what we want to talk about now. We have some new friends. And are they my best friends? You know, I'm a middle-aged man. I don't do a lot. Um, I don't have a lot of great friends. So, yeah, it's possible <laughs> that the people at the Barnes & Noble bookstore at the Ohio State University, they're my best friends. That may be the case. And I buy that. When I'm alone at night, am I getting on shopohiostate.com? Maybe. Right? Because they're legit, man. Listen to this. This is the place. It's, you don't even have to think. It's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm shopping for Ohio State stuff. <laughs> well, how are you going to do that? I don't know. Should I go to, like, buythingsohiostate.com or getstuffohiostate.com? No. You go to shopohiostate.com. That's it. How simple is that? It's really simple. And I actually think... If they tried to sell that domain, they might make $80 million. So you're saying their their <laughs> best business model, although they have great stuff, their best business model is just sell the name. It's a, it's, Shop Ohio State is a great domain name. It is a great name. <laughs> Maybe we should buy it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so listen, So this, this is real, and, and we want to say this. We have heard from loyal listeners who have already purchased things from ShopOhioState.com because they joined us as a sponsor – they're the first sponsor of Buckeye Talk. They joined us last week. They made their debut, and we hope we are already driving new customers their way. And it works for everybody. It helps Buckeye Talk because in a world where the New York Daily News just laid off half their staff, we could use some cash. So we need sponsors to for the cover to go to uh, Chicago's sexiest underground club. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ShopSexyNightclubs.com. <laughs> Shop number one celebrity spot.com. So, so we, we need money. So we got a sponsor. That's great for us. Now, this is the part that's good for you. You can buy stuff from them, and they have a great selection of Ohio State gear. And you can do it two ways, okay? You can do it ShopOhioState.com, or you can go to the storefront. It's a beautiful storefront. It is. It's right there on High Street. It's on the corner of 11th and High. I may have screwed this up last week, but I'm going to be honest, it is a little confusing. Because it's 15 is the address. But why is that? I don't know. That's not how it normally works, right? How streets work? Maybe. Uh, no, not necessarily. Not necessarily? Maybe, uh, maybe it's like 15th, 11th Avenue or something like no, that? No, no. Now, don't start saying the wrong address. I'm going to say the right address. It's 1598 North High Street. It's in the gateway. It's at the corner of 11th and High. Just just go get in your car and get on High Street and drive until you see it. It's a beautiful store, and they have a ton of stuff, right? They have a lot of cool Nike stuff that you can get there. Um, they have apparel from Top of the World, from Cutter and Buck, from some hard-to-find brands like Vineyard Vines, Game Day Couture, Alta Gracia, and Peter Millar, man, these are fancy, fancy people that you can buy there, buy their Ohio State stuff. I saw, I was looking on the site, I was looking on shopohiostate.com, and they have some very nice stuff. Like, you can go t-shirt and cap if you want. You can go, like, standard sweatshirt. They have some, like, very nice gear there. Cardigan? Cardigan. They got, like, a vest. I saw, like, a very nice, like, sleeveless vest that was sporty, yet a little formal. 
So go check it out at shopohiostate.com or in the storefront. If you download their app at appbnc.com, appbnc.com, you get an instant 25% off coupon. They are having new Nike stuff come in all the time. The new fall styles are arriving. They have books. It's a bookstore. They have books there. They have Ohio State books. They probably have Bill Rabinowitz's book. He wrote two books. You can go buy his book. That puts money in Bill Rabinowitz's pocket. And it gives money. He didn't pay for an ad. Oh, yeah. He didn't pay for an ad. (laughs) Don't buy his book. Or buy it. Or not buy it. I'm not saying what you should do because he didn't pay for an ad. ShopOhioState.com paid for an ad. But we wouldn't. It's not just because they bought an ad. It's because they're good. They have good stuff. They're good people. Our friend Kathy down there runs a great store. Again, the official name, Barnes & Noble, the Ohio State University Bookstore, 1598 North High Street, the corner of 11th and High in the Gateway, or shopohiostate.com. All the time online. The store is open seven days a week until 9 p.m. We know you are gearing up for football season, and we hope you are gearing up for football season with Buckeye Talk and with shopohiostate.com. What else happened at Big Ten Media Day? We were awash in all this stuff. This yeah. is not the first time this has happened. Normally, we try to plot out all this stuff we're going to ask about. What are you going to ask Kirk Ferentz? What are you going to ask about? What are you going to ask the Indiana safety about? What are you going to ask the Maryland punter about? Um, we come up with all kinds of crazy stuff. We had a six-hour drive to Chicago. We talked this stuff out. There were some other things that Urban Meyer said. One of them, one of the things, there was some news a little bit. Tough Borland. Yeah, I was wrong. Apparently, I was really wrong. You doubted his name. (laughs) I didn't doubt his name. I trusted like medicine. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Way to trust medicine (laughs) over the will of a man named Tough. So what's the deal? He's practicing. He hasn't been fully cleared for camp. Um, Urban did not put like a specific target date on his return, but I said... uh, I mean, it was last week or the week before. And like we did the top fifty Ohio State players, I didn't rank Tough Portland because I didn't think he was going to play after he injured his Achilles in the spring. And it sounds like he's going to play. We don't know quite when, um, but I think I told you this thing the other day, Doug. I was looking at the Ohio State football Instagram, and they had some pictures on there from their workout yesterday. And Tough Borland was was there, and it looked like he was a full go in, in a in a what was essentially running, but he like he didn't have anything on his leg. It looked like. Um, so I think he's coming along quickly, like Irvin Meyer said he would. So um, I don't know if he'll be a full participant at any point in camp, and I don't know if he'll play at all in the first month of the season, but it looks like he's going to play at some point, and I didn't think he'd play at all. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they just seem to be talking about an earlier timetable. I think someone maybe even brought up the TCU game. It's like he didn't say – He wouldn't say that. Yeah. He wouldn't say he'll be there for TCU, but, I mean, that's, that's when it first matters. I kept targeting Penn State, which is the last game of the month in September – as a, as a big game, I thought. Oh, I guess they play five games in September, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that would be a very big deal, I think, to be about. But but to be back for TCU would be great too. So um, that is good news for Ohio State. I think was there. Now there's you had two. Didn't you had another bold prediction a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Urban <laughs> Urban just kept shooting holes in my predictions. Uh, that Michael Jordan would be the starting center. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which Tim May was ob- was also thinking about apparently because he actually asked Urban the question. And then hey, like, Urban, Michael Jordan. Get- Go ahead. <laughs> That's exactly how it went. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then I, I piggybacked off it a little bit. Um, and the answer was that Michael Jordan uh, has been taking some snaps a little bit, 
But at the moment, it seems to be only because they want to make sure they have emergency centers ready. Urban said you need four, um, which I thought was that's a big that's a big number, but I guess that makes sense. They have two. They have Brady Taylor. They have Josh Myers. They have Michael Jordan. I don't really know who the fourth one is. I guess it's probably walk on, walk on, or like Demetrius Knox or something. Yeah. Um, but. Tim May asked, will Michael Jordan get a shot at center, or could he potentially play center? Urban didn't say – he, he kind of said no. He's like at least suggested probably not. And then I asked the question, which is something I said last week, you try to play the best – you've tried to play the top five offensive linemen. Like what happens if one of the best – there isn't someone <coughs> among the best five who can play center. And he basically just said like he doesn't think that will happen. If that happens, he'll be disappointed and they'll adjust from there. But – um, he talked a lot about Brady Taylor, and I left the conversation with Urban thinking that Brady Taylor was probably going to be the starting center. But I do, th- I still think it's an interesting conversation. I don't think the door's completely shut on it. But there was an opening for Urban to be like, yeah, we're going to give him a shot. He didn't say that. Right. About Jordan. And again, we, Urban's usually pretty honest with this stuff. That yeah. if, if he really yeah. felt like, you know, we, we, we rewatched film of practice in the spring and we really have some questions at center. So, yeah, we've been talking a lot about Michael Jordan at center. I think he would have said that, and he didn't say that. He did not say that. And, again, it's 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 logical. Do we ask him if K.J. Hill's going to be an outside receiver? That's like our other theory. No, we didn't ask, we didn't him, ask that. him that. We'll have to say that for camp. Yeah. Tim, what what did you learn about Ohio State? Anything? Well, I think the big thing I kind of took away from that same press conference, I, I forget who asked the question about – it might have been Bill, actually, that asked about Tate. Um, it was. Because – about with, like, with with Joe Burrow gone, that see I got you this time. According to Bill Landis, yeah, he you asked. Um, you probably phrased the quarter question better than I can. He got asked a million Tate Martell questions, which bothered me because they were asked uh, in a way that inferred Tate Martell as a shot at winning the starting quarterback job. Oh yeah, well hold off on that rant. <laughs> Let Tim finish this because I like this rant. Uh, well, the the question that I asked Urban was. Uh, your grand plans for Tate Martell to play in some capacity outside of being just a normal backup quarterback, um, have those been tampered because you lost the quarterback and the guy behind Tate is a true freshman with a bum knee? Seems like they have. Pretty much said they have. What did you think of that? What did you think of that answer, Tim? Were you surprised that Urban said that, or did that make sense to you? It makes perfect sense. I mean, you your third string quarterback is Matt Baldwin, who Urban did add that Baldwin gained twenty pounds. Gained 20 pounds since he's gotten to Ohio State, but he's also coming off an ACL. And ACL is you know, always the injury. It takes a year to recover and a year to gain full strength. And you don't want to put yourself one injury away from a guy who just had a major knee injury one snap away from playing. That's the last thing you want. Yeah. Not just the fact that he's a true freshman, and I don't mean this in any disrespect to Matt Baldwin, but he's a true freshman who had an ACL injury. That's just a fact. No no disrespect to Matt Baldwin if he plays they're dead, which is just a fact. Listen, I had tacos with that guy, and I don't appreciate you talking about him that You one. are high. Oh. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I don't know, like, I don't know who else you – I don't want you to eat torchy tacos <laughs> with the wrong person because you're going to fall in love with them, In too. my life, I've had torchy's tacos with two people, Matthew Baldwin and Ari Wasserman. Oh, and my God. I think God. either one of them can quarterback Ohio State to a national championship. <laughs> So, I mean, it's not – I would say it to Matt Baldwin's face, and I think Matt Baldwin would say it. Matt, if you wind up starting 10 games for Ohio State this season, is that great news for Ohio State? <laughs> and I think Matt Baldwin would probably say, God, no. <laughs> I know everybody feels like, go Bucks, but, like, that's just reality. He's a true freshman, and he's coming off an injury. 
Yeah. So they have to, they have, and it sounded like, didn't you think Urban sounded a little disappointed about the idea of like, well, we basically have to put Tate in bubble wrap because Burrow left. Yeah. He said, he's like, he said he was thinking about punt return, which is crazy. He said, I was, crazy. Thinking, I was thinking about punt return. I was thinking about all kinds of things. And then, and then they lost Joe and like Tate's number two. And like, yeah, you just can't, he did sound disappointed. You can't do that stuff. I'm saying bye bye in my, to my mental picture of Tate Martell punt returner. Cause that could have been so much fun. If we would have went to the Oregon state game and Tate Martell went back to return the first punt, my head would have exploded. You would have, you would have dived out of the yeah. press box and gone down on the sideline and interviewed him during the game. Yeah. And Tate Martell would have been like, Hey, Bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you an interview. No, the dream, the middle of the first quarter. The dream would have been you have dual returns. Tate Martell, DeMar, and McCall, and it's a throw back a la Music City Miracle. And then we would have been fighting over who gets to write the headline, yeah. Demario McCall, Tate Martell, go back as dual punt returners. Yeah, because Bill essentially has got Tate, I've got Demario. He's got Demario, you don't. I wrote the first ever feature of him way back when he was in high school in 2013 in North Ridge. That doesn't count. Bill played video games with Jerome Baker. That's true. He beat me. Um, I would have beaten Jerome Baker in NCAA, I'm just saying. Calling out Jerome Baker. Probably. So... The, are the, who are the two? Who have the two most magic names on this team? For when you put their name in a headline, people read the stories like crazy. Is it Demario and Tate? No, it's Tate Martell and Torrance Gibson on this current roster. On this current or? roster, you can't say Torrance Gibson. Torrance Gibson. <laughs> I just said Torrance Gibson, and ten thousand people listen to this podcast. <laughs> uh, on this team, uh, it's definitely Tate. Um, I mean, even more than like Nick Bosa or J.K. Dobbins or yeah, it's probably Demario. I think it might yeah, be tomorrow. As much as like, oh, it's like Chase Young. Oh, Chase Young's going to have 20 sacks and is a future number one pick. But what about tomorrow? Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to think what else I thought was interesting. What else did I think was interesting? This is not good podcasting. Urban continues to leave the, the second safety spot wide open. It's no change from the spring. He named six guys again. So that's going to be a crazy competition. Including the freshman. Yeah. He keeps naming the freshman. Marcus Hooker is going to be suspended for the first game for an offseason DUI. I still think, and we've said that a million times, Josh Proctor, I think, needs to be on everybody's radar yeah. in the preseason. And, and I don't think we've learned anything that would dissuade us um, from that. Um, I do think Urban, this was an interesting thing. And again, we're giving you guys some early info because we asked these questions to write stories on this later. But <clears> I asked Urban, I think it's, Minorly interesting that he lasted six years at Florida, and now he has six years under him at Ohio State. And for the first time in his career, he will be the head coach of the school for a seventh season. So I asked him about that idea, and I said, you know, what did you think of the first six years at Ohio State? And he's like, yeah, it's pretty good, pretty happy. Um, and then I said, do you have to guard at all against sort of like getting stale in year seven? And he had a very interesting answer of, it's, you can't think of it as maintaining. You have to always be building. So they are trying to behave as if they continued to build. And they just built this new addition on the Woody, the recruiting room. Like that's, con that's, that's concrete, concrete. That's, yeah. you literally built something. Um, but I think he wants to continue to have that idea. And I think we'll write about this, but I just thought of this this second. We've been talking a million times that we can get into this and we can get into your quarterback thing. We have been talking a lot about, we believe that Urban Meyer clearly has changed his philosophy about what he looks for in a quarterback. Maybe that's because he, he is mindful of trying to just not be the same. 
What was yeah? I was just going to say, does does the building and not maintaining also apply to the field? The roster, building the roster yeah. in a different way. He talked about we try to keep pushing the envelope on recruiting and stuff, but it's just maybe thinking about how you attack teams on the field on both sides of the ball. And Urban thinks about offense 90% of the time and defense 10% of the time. Yeah. Thinking about attacking in a different way, and that then changes to recruiting. So I still... He was asked directly about the quarterbacks. Have Are you changing how you think about the quarterback position? It seems like you're getting more pro-style guys. And he said, no, we just get the best guy available. And again, I don't really believe that. Do you believe that? I don't believe that. I thought it was a good point to make. He said they won, they've won three national titles, and two of them have been with drop-back, more pro-style passers with Chris Leak and, and Cardell Jones. And then he brought up Alex Smith. he brought Smith. up Alex Smith again. So I, I, I do think it is important to remember that <coughs> Not every quarterback in Irvin Meyer's pass is JT Barrett. Um, and he has been at least a little bit malleable in fitting the offense to someone who isn't JT or Braxton Miller or Tim Tebow. Um, but no, I don't, I didn't really believe that. There is a, there is a difference. Can I make a point? What is, name one thing that Chris Lee, Cardell Jones, and Alex Smith have in common. Oh, I have no idea. Urban Meyer didn't recruit any of them. Oh, yeah. He inherited all of them. Yeah. He yeah, recruited yeah. Tim Tebow. Yeah. He recruited J.T. Barrett. He recruited Braxton Miller. He tried to recruit Braxton Miller. He just didn't win. Yeah. So I get it. Good point. But when he has his pick, when he has his druthers, when he's there, and that's another thing too. You're now getting to the point when you're when you're at a school for only six years. He did recruit John Brantley, but then when they played John Brantley, they didn't know what the hell to do with him. Yeah. Who was more of a pocket guy? Right. Who I'm going to write about still. When you're at a school for only six years, you don't end up recruiting that many quarterbacks. Because, like, you get there, you have a starter, he plays a couple years. Then, like, with both Tebow and Barrett, the first quarterback he recruited at both those schools started for four years. I was say, he's been here, this is his seventh year, and he's played one quarterback that he's recruited. And, and that's the same thing, almost the same thing in Florida. Then in his last year at Florida, he played, he played Brantley. But it's almost, it's like you don't even get to the point. So he is at a new threshold. That's a story. Okay. <laughs> so, but I mean, but again, but part, but that's a story that would go under the auspices of not maintaining building. Yeah. And I think, and building is how you construct. He doesn't want to just build. He doesn't want to build another row home. He doesn't want to build that. All oh, you're in one of those suburbs. I live in one of those suburbs where all the houses kind of look the same. He wants the next house maybe to look a little bit different. Because I don't think he wants anybody to get bored. He doesn't want to get bored. He said, "I keep pushing the staff. I'm pushing the staff as hard as ever." Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot to that. I thought I thought that was a very interesting way of describing the approach. And I know one of our listeners on Twitter has talked about, it, and I was going to follow up and ask this specifically, but we can ask it later. Has asked about some of the things that they seem to have de-emphasized, like they didn't do the student appreciation day mm-hmm. in spring football. A couple of other things that maybe were like staples. That they had done. I don't know exactly what, but but I almost wonder if there's some things there. Like he's very big on like they do training table, they do the, the red, blue, gold ranking system, they do the black stripe. I wonder if there might be some other things. Like what if they stop doing the black stripe? And you know why they should also stop doing the black stripe? Because the Browns started doing it. Yeah. You know the Browns like have a stripe for their rookies, right? Yeah. Well, they do it in reverse though. No, because the Browns have you, you have to yeah, earn you have, your stripe. You have to right? put your stripe on. Yeah. So Baker, yes. well, does Hugh earn his stripe? Why would you ask me that? <laughs> why would you? Why would you derail me? 
in the middle of Buckeye talk. I'm going to have you on takes by the lake this week, and you <laughs> just can ask so I can me get that. on and ask that question and get off, and yeah. then we can talk for an hour. I just had the thought about the brown stripe. How weird is that going to be for Denzel Ward? He was the guy that was trying to get his stripe off. Now he comes to Cleveland. He's got to get his stripe on. He's it's like. If, like, Denzel Ward plays terrible in the first month, it's going to be like the stripes. Yeah. The stripes got me, man. Threw me off. Um, so I thought that was interesting. So there's, I think there's I think there's a fertile ground there of Urban entering new territory a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think we can – you can look for the ways the program's evolving and try, then try to find if it's purposeful or sort of coincidental. But I think there might be some – now that if, we, if we're on the lookout for stuff, I think we maybe will find some more purposeful things. Yeah, it's not it's – not, I mean, you notice you notice things sometimes, but I've never been on the lookout for like, well, what's like when we walk through the woody, like what's different, right? Or like even watching practice, like what's different about this? But now, now I'm going to be looking. Yeah, um, I, they have like they have. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. They like in the name of just like sprucing things up a little bit. There's some different stuff in the woody, like different areas are are designated for different position groups and like on the wall is like the step-by-step of the of the warm-up and like what's expected of each position group i saw some of that stuff when i was in the, in the building for this camps they had in june and maybe it was there last year and i didn't recognize it but i it, might, it seemed like it was the first time i was seeing it it's just like little things that even like adorn the walls in the woody i think i think fall under the category of what urban's talking about i think that's right go on your quarterback rant about uh, the competition that isn't a competition as a uh, serial asker of Tate Martell questions. I, for the life of me, cannot figure out why some members of this beat were asking Urban Meyer questions in a way that's made it sound like Tate Martell has a chance of winning the starting quarterback job. I understand why Urban talks him up because he has to. Every quarterback talks with the backup because you got to keep the backup happy. And if you're going to ask Urban about Tate, he's going to talk very highly of him. I just don't know why we're asking questions like that. Tate Martell, it's not a competition. Dwayne Haskins is a starting quarterback unless one of his limbs falls off, or as Doug said earlier, he throws 75 interceptions in training camp. And even then, I don't even know if he'd lose the job. He's the starter. So let's not pretend like Tate Martell has a shot at winning the job short of an injury. Or or if Dwayne Haskins is John Brantley. If Dwayne Haskins is John Brantley, there's a whole... Yeah, that's a, that, that would be a mess. But but it's not. But he's not. He's not John Brantley. Right. At least not yet. Like, he is the starter. Going to the camp as a starting quarterback. Everybody has said that. Right. Yeah. So Tate I, wasn't fully in the competition, as it turned out, that Dwayne won. It was a two-man competition. Right. And Dwayne won. And the guy who finished second left. So now the guy who finished third, who wasn't really in it, is not now competing for number one. But it's just it's just coach speak because coaches would say, well, there's always competition. It's like, oh, is uh, is uh, Jonathan Cooper pushing Chase Young to start at defensive end? It's like, well, there's always competition. It's like, yeah, well, Chase Young's gonna be. And Urban did say that to his credit because I think somebody asked the question along the lines of like, well, what's Tate got to do to like really be in this thing? And Urban's like, it's the same as any position; it's competition. Yeah. But it was just like he was asked. I I felt like he was asked like at least three times. A question that suggested that Tate had a chance to win the job, and he doesn't. And he doesn't. We're just telling you the real deal. We don't. We don't want you to to be led astray and to think that all of a sudden there's a quarterback competition that isn't there. And Gene Neely was was texting me nervously. He's worried about what Urban about Urban pumping up Tate Martell, and I don't think there's anything to it other than he was being asked about it. Gene Neely texts you. Oh, sorry. He tweeted me. He didn't text me. He doesn't, have, say, he doesn't have my phone number. Gee, Dilly, here's Bill's phone number. Yeah. I was going to say, the, the, the listeners don't text me. Hey, that reminds me. 
if you're listening to this, you better be coming to our show. Yep. Yes. Tim, give the show details. August 27th, Hofbrau House, downtown Columbus. I'm going to pull up the exact address. It's not really downtown. It's more like toward Grandview. Here's what you do. You go to the Ohio State Barnes & Noble bookstore. You buy some stuff. Then you come to the Hofbrau House. Yep. Yes. So August 27th, Hofbrau House, 800 Goodale Boulevard, just west of 315. I just realized I accidentally typed it just went of State Route 315. I'm going to fix that in a moment. Um, it will be fixed, but you go on our link, you will be able to sign up for tickets. The tickets are free. Explain this. So this is a, this is a compli- it's not complicated. It makes sense because we're so popular. <laughs> Please come. Please come, by the way. Please, dear God, show up. But you do, you should get a ticket ahead of time. So explain this, Tim. Yes. So if you go to the, the, the story I'm talking about at the top of the of top of Cleveland.com slash OSU where you see all three of our faces. Um, you'll go. You'll, Two of us have better pictures than the other one. <laughs> to which one of us in this room has made a funny internet funny parody. It's one of the best things I've done on Twitter. It is one of Did the. Did you see it? What was it with Post Malone or whatever? No, no. no what was was it? Zooming in on Tim's face while playing the Bad Boys theme song from Cops. <laughs> I missed that. Oh yeah. It's still. I'll I will. Show it to you. I okay. will admit it's it's glorious when we get after. When this is over, Doug's going to watch it and he's going to be laughing hysterically. But I go- tweeted something. I tweeted, like, uh, come come to our live show on August 27th and help the authorities find this man. <laughs> yes. So, anyway, uh... you go on to this post. It'll be, take you to something like eventbrite.com, but that's us. You'll register. Essentially, you're putting your name essentially on, like, a reservation list. Yes. But, but even if you don't, just just... Come on down, because I'm sure there will be people that sign up that maybe they can't make it for whatever reason. Like, say you're living in Cleveland, and it's just inconvenient to drive down two hours. You don't think you'll make it on time. If you're around the Columbus area, and if you don't sign up, just show up. So so, so here's the deal. Sign up, but if you forget to sign up, come anyway. Okay? Don't let not signing up keep you from coming. We will squeeze you in. If we have an overflow crowd, we will get a megaphone and shout into the street. August 27th, 7 to 9. Is that right? Yes. And we are going to attempt to have a special guest. We will attempt to have a special guest join me and Tim and Bill. We'll see if we can get him. August 27th, Monday, 7 to 9, Hofbrauhaus House in Columbus. Please be there. Let's go to questions. Can I uh, share some Buckeye Talk news first? Oh, sure. yeah. Uh, your wife followed a Twitter account. Really? Yeah. She's getting more into Twitter. I'm not sure that's a great thing for us. Did we want? Oh, she listens to this. How about this? This is love. My wife, I'm like walking around the house, procrastinating on writing a story. My wife is sitting at her desk, editing, doing her work. She has, she's just listening to something. I'm like, what are you listening to? She's listening to Buckeye Talk. Why? Because she thinks you're funny. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I'll watch her. It's, it's also like my ne- my nephews, um, who, who just moved back to America recently, they always listen. From where? Um, England. Oh, yeah. It's my brother's kids. Um, so it did shout be- out to the nephews. Yeah, they are actually in Ohio this week uh, visiting the grandparents. Go birds. And um, they listen to it, and even though they don't know what's going on, it's like Uncle Tim's radio show. Uncle Tim. That's, That's the new name of the podcast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Uncle Tim's radio show. <laughs> 
Wow, that is. I would wear a T-shirt that said Uncle Tim's Radio. Pop Show. Pop House, August twenty seventh. Uncle Tim's Radio Show live. <laughs> All right. Do we have? What do we have? Well, oh, should we do? Well, guys, let's do the farts first. All do right. The farts. Well, there's a there's a say that what the farts say what a fart is again. F- farts when you pass gas. <laughs> fart is. I believe I'm getting the term wrong. Maybe to, I forget who came up with it again. Dave Brandenburg. I I have no idea. I don't remember. Oh, Kyle Brandenburg. I think. If I get your name wrong, I apologize. Five star approved reviews for today. I cannot believe that actually stuck. Five star approved reviews for today. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so, do we want to start with a positive one or? I a think critical? it's good. I think it's go positive, so we feel good about ourselves, and then crush us again. These are reviews that you can leave us on iTunes. Thank you for your reviews. Are we a five star podcast still this very moment? Yes. As we speak. All right. Thank you. So this one is from Sunday from Greg C seventy four. There's one from today from Shy Town Buckeye Five. We can get to that later, but okay. This one made me laugh. This is your fart, F A R T with the periods. Tim, Seth, and Ari do a wonderful job diving deep into everything Scarlet and Gray. <laughs> I had funny. I had to start with that because I'm trying to think which who's Seth in this thing because I know I'm accounted for. Oh right, does is that saying that is that a Seth Rogan thing? <laughs> Only if you're okay being Ari. <laughs> We can oh, we so good. spend 20 minutes arguing that, but anyways. The hot takes, in quotes, and ph- philosophical food debates are a nice change-up and are often laugh-out-loud material. Trashing Ohio food does not lend itself to the target audience. I will, however, concede Skyline is gross. Chili is good. Why put cinnamon in it? <coughs> the often debated length of this podcast is also unnecessary. This is not 1987 when I have to be sitting in front of my TV at 8 p.m. to watch my show. If you don't have a full two hours to consume the best Buckeye podcast, simply push pause, thank you robots, and you can pick it up tomorrow. There is simply nothing else better for your Buckeye fix. Keep up the good work, fellas. Thank you, Greg C74. I am going to cry over that. That was so nice. Thank you, Greg C74. That was good. That was one of the better ones we've had. Much yeah. appreciated. Heartfelt appreciation for that. Thank you for taking time. And the comedy as well. I, I don't think I've seen you two guys laugh like that in a while. <laughs> that was good. So let's let's go to the critical one and then the Shy Town since we're in Chicago. Okay. This is from Alejandro.93. He says, way too long. Okay. I get that the guys want to be funny and talk about nonsense, but these have been way too long since Ari left. The time I have to really listen to a podcast is limited, as is everyone else's, so unfortunately this has turned into a bit of a waste of time. So we have oof. so we have one reviewer saying Ari is on, and one saying it's not the same since Ari left, so I'm officially confused. Why does Alejandro him. speak for everyone? Because he has a 93 at the end of his name. How many stars did he give us? Two stars. I will take it. Was a one. Take the two. two stars for too long. It doesn't matter. You can't hear this. Is that anyway. it? He stopped listening um, an hour Yeah, that's the end of the Alejandro review. Okay, I can handle that. Thank you, Alejandro, if you're still listening, for taking the time to give us a review. You're a jerk. And then <laughs> Chi-Town Buckeye 5. I'll try and I'll be quick with this. If you're looking for a sports podcast filled with detailed, fact-based information, then look no further than Buckeye Talk. Doug, Bill, and Tim have worked tirelessly to create must-listen-to content in the off-season. In the off-season is in all caps. I can't wait to hear all the fantastic you guys have coming once the season starts. Keep up the great effort, great work, guys, and thanks for all the effort you put into making this podcast a must-listen-to week in and week out. Signed, Martin Plush, 
at Chi-Town Buckeye 5 and he says, now read my questions. All right, we will. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks. We have fun doing it, and we're glad that you guys have fun listening. All right, questions. All right. Start with Tyler Shoemaker. He dropped a few of them. Do we want to go football, food, or other nonsense? Well, we don't have to do all of them, although we love Tyler Shoemaker. So pick the best ones. All right, well... We can get into some nonsense, though. We've been pretty serious. This has been a serious podcast. Okay, I'll, I'll go in order, then. He says, now that you're Big Shot-sponsored podcast host, we need some Buckeye Talk t-shirts or something. I love the Buckeye Talk t-shirts. I don't know if we can. We think we'll get sued by Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we don't have any money. The question is... Now, if we didn't change the name of the show to Uncle Tim's Radio Show, we could make t-shirts tomorrow. Unless Tim would sue us. Would you sue us? I would need I would need a little cut. Would your nephew sue us yeah. because we, they trademarked yeah. the name? I don't think my... I apologize to my nephews in advance. I don't know if they know how the American legal system works. Do okay. your nephews... Uh, is your brother's children... Right? Yes. yes. Were they born in the United States? Um, I believe so. I, one was born, the oldest was, the older, I believe, was born in Hawaii, and the other was born, oh, I'm gonna, I just want to know if they have British accents. I'm going to get in trouble with this. The elder one might, because he has gone to soccer camps for the last couple of years. He's a big soccer fan now, loves playing soccer. He, it doesn't mean to get a British accent. Maybe he's got a little bit, but. All right, continue. I would love to, like. Pull us, like, tweet at us your slogan ideas. It could be anything like Uncle Tim's radio oh, show. Don't want that. Hashtag for all we know. Yeah. Keep away the robots. That'd be good. Robot free zone. I'd love to you hear some. You don't, but know, we don't, you think, don't know what kind of box you just opened, my man. But we don't. We, we probably. We maybe shouldn't have a name that has Buckeye in the name, but it's too late. But I really don't think we can make t shirts that have Buckeye in it. I think we could maybe. I don't know. Do we have running jokes on here? Yeah, we have yeah. to. We have to like make something that's well, like an inside joke. For, for the podcast. I think for all yeah. we know, qualifies. Please listen, you egomaniac. We're not <laughs> making one based on your Rucker slogan. All right. Okay. Next question. All right. I'll go. I'll go to the football one. This goes back to the poll we did on Friday, the Cleveland.com Big Ten preseason poll. Michigan State was picked second in the East, or your in your poll. Shocked or fair? Um, I think it's fair. I think they have a lot back. I yeah. think. They have a good quarterback. Um, they had a good bounce back year last year. I mean, they've won whatever. Uh, have they won like double digit games like eight of the last ten years or something? Like it's yeah, it's, the, the one three and nine year was two years ago. It's very easy to forget how good Michigan State is, and I am riding the Michigan train. I think Michigan's going to be really good. I think. I voted in our own poll. I can't exactly remember. I think I voted Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. I think the three teams behind Ohio State are very close. I think any of those three could challenge Ohio State. That's not a unique opinion. Um, I think of that group, Michigan is the best one. But I understand why people like Michigan State. I, I think it's possible that Penn State takes a half step back this year. I think it's possible that Penn State loses to all three of those teams. So yeah. if Penn State loses to Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State, that's three losses. They have one other one here, all of a sudden they're 8-4, and four, and people are going to be like, oh, no, what happened to Penn State? And nothing happened. It's just that the East is really good. So I don't know if the four teams in the East are all going to beat <clears> each other up or if there's going to be one who takes the brunt of it and loses all three games. But if there is one of those teams, I think it will be Penn State. But I think Michigan and Michigan, like I think the Michigan-Michigan State game is going to be great. That's going to be a huge game in the East. Yeah. Because that's earlier than Ohio State-Michigan, obviously. 
So I don't. I voted Michigan second. Where, who did you vote second, Landis? I voted Michigan second. Uh, Penn State third. Michigan State fourth. Um, I I wasn't shocked to see them second because of all the, everything. I think they have. I think Michigan State has the most returning production in the country. I think that's right. Okay. If, if it's not, they're they're they have one of the highest returning percentages of production. Um, I just think if Michigan has a quarterback, they're better. <coughs> Yeah, and uh, I think Penn State, although it's going through a transition, is a little more talented. Okay, um, Tim, who'd you? But vote? I think they're all good. I went the same with Bill's order. I think, like you said, if Shea Patterson's good, Michigan is way better, way more talented across the board than Michigan State. Penn State, if they can find any way to replace two thirds of the production Saquon Barkley had and come up with quality in the back in the defense, they'll be fine. James Franklin was, you know, praising his young secondary. Obviously, is. Um, all coaches do. They had four guys. They had like three guys get drafted, and their guys dominated the combine. Um, I, I've linked the story about it on breakfast, but they, this is going to be a growing year for Penn State. I think they'll they'll end up outperforming Michigan State. And really, honestly, it was an easy decision for me to rank them one through four as I did. Here's the thing that I think is is the basic thing of the Big Ten this year. The Big Ten has some good returning quarterbacks: Brian Lewerke, Trace McSorley. Clayton Thorson, Nate Stanley, who I was going to talk to and I ran out of time, right? They have some good returning quarterbacks. I am operating under the assumption that the two best quarterbacks in the Big Ten this year are going to be Shea Patterson and Dwayne Haskins. And that is why... Better than McSorley, both of them? Yes. Like... I mean, it's. I definitely think it's possible. Like, who would you... And and I think my definition of that is... I mean, I I think Trace McSorley week in, week out is a great quarterback. I think I'm my version of best in that in that description is who could beat Bama. It's a good gauge, and that's a different gauge than who can take you through a 12 game season. I'm also maybe gauging like who's going to be the best quarterback like in the middle of November. But weren't we the year that Penn State won the Big Ten championship? It didn't make the playoff because they had uh, two losses. Uh-huh. Weren't you and I talking about? Uh, a fake Penn State Alabama matchup, didn't you? I thought you said that you thought McSorley looked like a guy who could beat them because he can throw the ball down the field. I don't know. I would like to not be held accountable for anything maybe, I said previously. I think you said that, which is also maybe why I have bad opinion of Urban Meyer. <laughs> um, I, he can, he can. They throw the ball down the field. Yeah, right. I like the idea that they throw the ball down the field. Gasecki was so good at that. I think they're going to miss him a lot. They're yeah. obviously going to miss Barkley, um, but I just think Patterson and Haskins have the kind of like NFL big arm upside that you you don't see in the Big Ten that often. Which goes back to the age old discussion of no first round quarterback since 1995. I think Shea Patterson and Dwayne Haskins could profile as more like those kind of guys, and you do not see them in this conference as much as much as this conference has grown. And as much as Drew Brees and Tom Brady and Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson and all these quarterbacks have gone on to have great NFL success. So I'm just saying most of what I say about Ohio State and Michigan and their whole conference is based on that assumption that I'm making. Are you guys – do you guys – are you guys assuming that or no? Yeah, yeah. I don't don't know – I don't know if I'd say they're they're both going to be the top two quarterbacks. I think maybe I'll put McSorley, maybe McSorley and Haskins, um, but I, I think I think it's possible. Yeah, 
And if that's wrong, then I'm going to be wrong about Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, and so I. So, I. Yeah. so. All right, one little more tiny thing from Tyler Shoemaker, and then we'll move on. He asked, Shoemaker show. also, why don't you follow Tim Bielek talking about Buckeye Talk Pod? <coughs> Shrug emoji, parentheses, I've got your back, Tim. Thank you, Tyler Shoemaker. How does he know that? Because I click on Buckeye Talk Podcast, it's following four people. Really? Yeah. Justin Bieber. No. Jay Billis. Ohio State Football. Bill Landis. Doug Lamarys. And Katie Lamarys. Really? Yeah. No Tim Bielek. Okay. That's going to be rectified by the end of this podcast, although also no, they won't. might just unfollow me again. Just to... I can promise you it won't. So is We this... don't know the password. <laughs> is this just going to be a running joke from now on? Why, Tim Why do I have to follow you on Twitter? Is it because he tweets about soccer too much? Yeah. yeah. I haven't tweeted about soccer in a week. Give me a break. All right. No more soccer talk. Okay. World Cup's over. All right. Congratulations, Croatia. Did they win? France won. Belgium won. Germany. France won because of waffles. All right, we'll get into some football talk from Josh Curry at the real J Curry forty three. He asks, guys, I know I'm being annoying about this, but I'm still concerned about the offensive line. Where would you rank Ohio State's O line compared to the rest of the Big Ten? I'm assuming Wisconsin's is first, right? Yeah, pass. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't have intimate knowledge of everyone's offensive line. Wisconsin is is first because they have everybody back, I, I believe, and a couple of first round. Uh, <laughs> Draft picks. Did anyone bring their Phil Steele magazine? David Edward, Ben. I have mine, actually. Um, I don't know where my bag is. Don't, I'm not, we're not playing name that Wisconsin lineman. Were right. you about to name Wisconsin lineman? Well, I was going to go no, off my top No, 50. no. We're not naming. I don't want any names of Wisconsin okay. linemen. I, They're just Wisconsin linemen. No offense. They're all the same. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, like, I, I can't, I can't put Ohio State's offensive line in the context of the rest of the conference. Um, Wisconsin's got a lot back. Michigan's got a lot back. I think Michigan State's got a decent amount back. Penn State does too. Like, I think there is reason to feel more secure about those lines at the moment than Ohio State's. Um, but I've, I've said this before that this line reminds me the way it's like coming together and how I think it'll shake out when the game started. It reminds me a little bit of 2014 that I think you will see some bumps early, but by the end they're going to be really good. I can't remember. Did you write your Warner story yet? No. There, there is a great deal of discussion among the Michigan people about how bad the offensive line has been at Michigan for a long time mm-hmm. and how Ed Warriner, the former Ohio State offensive line coach and offensive coordinator, who's now the offensive line coach at Michigan, is sort of getting them into shape and that they've simplified things. They thought the offensive line was confused and uncertain in the past, and they are getting back to basics. And Michigan is very high because I think they had a lot of improvement that they could make. So... um it's just an interesting – I think – I mean, when you lose Billy Price and Jamarco. Jamarco Jones, I think it's reasonable to think that your line might take a step back, at least at the beginning. Yeah, I think I think so too. And they don't, and they don't have – that was another thing that came out of today talking with guys. Is, and and I, don't, I don't believe this, but it's what they said, is that they don't know how tackle is going to shake out yet. Like I asked Isaiah Prince, are you playing right or left? He said, I don't know. Urban Meyer said he doesn't know. I think he'll be on the right, Prince, and Munford will be on the left, but that's not set to the point that they're willing to say it just yet. Center is still not set, and I don't think if Brady Taylor is the center, I don't think they know who's going to win that other guard spot between Brandon Bowen and Demetrius Knox. So you have four guys with starting experience and a fifth guy in Thayer Munford who people talk very highly of, and then Brady Taylor, but 
there is, yeah, there's a little bit of uncertainty that's unavoidable when you lose guys like Billy Price and Jamarco Jones. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's enough pure talent out there where I put them number two, Penn State probably number three. I like some of the guys on Penn State's line, but Wisconsin, no doubt, number one. Who's ready for me to get a little angry? What? What? Ready for you to get angry? Well, you already got angry because Buckeye Talk Pie doesn't follow you, so yeah, well, angry again, I okay. think is the right way to phrase oh, this, it. This is also a food question. We're going to get into food for the first time. Add from Doug Dillow, our boy. Why do people continue to defend deep dish pizza? It stinks. No. It does that's not. His whole, that's his whole question? Th- that's his question about deep dish pizza. And then um, Kelvin <coughs> Corbin at absolute underscore zero said because it's delicious. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't know what the little is talking about. Yeah, we were at Gino's East Monday night last Monday night, um, and we we got way too much pizza. Yeah, I actually thought that was actually not that good. Um, but deep dish pizza, like as a concept, is good. Yeah, I you can't operate in op think of it in the same construct as New York style pizza because you have to eat them two different ways. Deep dish, you really have to eat with a fork until you get to a certain point. New York style, you have to fold and control the flop or whatever, but now this is two strikes on Doug, I mean on DeLillo. Oh, yeah. Because he's also ragged on Poutine, so we've already put him in the penalty box. Do we put him back in the penalty box? In the Poutine box? Yeah. Uh, or, or are we going to revoke his producership and now put that back up for grabs? You are mad. Yeah. This is two strikes. You know what would be the worst thing ever? I think DeLillo should come to the thing and you guys should have a boxing match. DeLillo, you better come. He asked if it was irresponsible to drive up after work from Cleveland. Uh, and the answer is no. Of course not. It would be irresponsible not to. The he needs w- a place to crash, though. He can say it, Tim's. Yeah. Thank you for offering, Tim. Yeah. The the worst thing in the world would be <laughs> square-cut Chicago-style pizza. Yep. <laughs> the center was like, oh, the center's square. How do you? It's well, just then, like dripping through your fingers. Then, if you get a nice crust piece, though, aren't you happy if the piece is largely crust? Because I will say, Gino's East compared to Giordano's, I do like Gino's crust a little more. I thought it had a little more crunch to it, a little more solidness, which was good to me. I thought it was good. I mean, I understand why my people want like Giordano's better. Um, it was good. I like it. I always like it. What are your guys' thoughts on breakfast pastries? Because Doug and I got into this this morning a little bit. Where did this come from? Is this just a Tim question? Is this from <laughs> at Tim Bielik? No. Speaking of bread, you know, croissants. I complained to Doug that the croissants we had this morning were not very good. They were, like, too dense. They're not, like, the kinds I like where they're flaky and they're light. And I'll tell you, sometimes you start talking to me like we're on the podcast. Like we were getting you Bill went early to go in or like stake out Urban Meyer and Tim and I were eating breakfast and Tim's like, What do you think of those croissants? I thought they were a little dense. I like my croissants light and flaky. And I was like, You know there's not a microphone on, right? So I'm glad that you brought it back around. But those were it's like you said you don't like dense croissants. Those were the densest croissants I'd ever eaten. I'd never eaten a croissant like that. A croissant by definition is light and fluffy. So yes, that brick now it was free, but it was a brick of bread in the shape of a of a, like a, a half moon, and it sucked. Yes. <laughs> so get yes. your croissant game on because throughout the season I will be judging croissants heavily. <laughs> Hashtag dense croissants. That's on the T-shirt. Oh, All right, we'll go That's back. I'm going to bounce around between football and food. From we're what? delirious. We're bogging this down a little bit. Going we're bogging down. Listen, yeah. we've got we have a sponsor, and we've forgotten how to podcast. We got too serious early on because it was real life stuff, 
And now we're like, we're 45 minutes into a croissant discussion. All right. All right. Get us back on track. Let's, get, like. a, let's get into football. For, football food back and forth. Mike Moore <clears throat> at Mike Moore. You mentioned James Franklin could help Penn State overtake Ohio State. What's the difference? Who did? Um, I guess we did. Did we? I don't remember that, but probably. Okay. Right. He asks, what's the difference between now and when he almost got fired before Joe Moorhead? He hired Joe Moorhead. Well, and Found that, an offensive identity, started recruiting better. And, and I don't think, like, one of those things that you you can which is why, and we've said this before, this is a great test for Penn State. Yeah. They lost Saquon Barkley, but they lost Joe Moorhead. Yeah. So you can't be, it can't be that all your success was based on an assistant. We'll Just like when, yeah. when they lost, when Ohio State lost Tom Herman, they took a step back. They, it took them a while to recalibrate. But... The head coach gets credit for making a good hire. That was an excellent hire. He hired the Fordham head coach. And the guy was so good that Penn State became like an instant playoff contender. And then he got an SEC job. That was a great hire by James Franklin. So, yes, it's Joe Moorhead's offense, but I'm assuming they promoted a guy, right? Ricky Ronnie. Yeah, Ricky Ronnie. So they, but, but they found an identity. When, Ohio, when Urban Meyer hired, they had defensive problems. He hired Chris Ash. It was a great hire by Urban Meyer. It helped them win a national championship. Chris Ash left. They retained the identity that Chris Ash brought. So Joe Moorhead helped create their offensive identity. They lost Joe Moorhead. I'm not expecting them, to your point, to lose the identity, which was, yes, it was Moorhead, but it was anyone coming in with a, a style of play right. that gave them what they became. Yeah, that's whatever Joe Moore, like it's the Penn State offense now. Like Urban says it's the Ohio State offense all the time. That's Penn State's offense. So... I, I don't. <clears throat> I'm. I don't remember saying that, but I'm sure we did say it. And I don't think like James Franklin is solidified because I do. I he was bad before. Now he had, he had a roster that didn't really suit what he wanted to do, but he was bad sort of a game management before Joe Moorhead came up, came around, and Joe Moorhead's gone, and that's like this is the test for Franklin. But I, I just think that they're going to be okay. Yeah, not only Joe Moorhead gone, obviously Saquon Barkley gone, Mike Isiki gone, Deshaun Hamilton gone. I do like some of their receivers. Um, well, obviously, we'll we'll talk more about that as that Bobby game Ingram. comes up. Juwan Johnson, DeAndre Tompkins. Is it bad that I can never name in a given season more than like ten Big Ten players on other teams? <clears throat> Remember that time that uh, you, uh, me, and RH just tried to list as many Ohio State players as we could, like on the current <laughs> roster, and you named like thirty. <laughs> well, who's who's that guy? Uh, who's the guy? Uh, Joey Bosa. Oh God, yeah. I didn't get him. Well, I think that that's. I don't have a problem with that. Our job is to cover Ohio State, and when the team comes around, that's when we really get to know the other team outside of, like, the big-name guys, like the Trace McSorleys and the Rashawn Garys of the world. One time we were on deadline after an Ohio State game, and uh, there was a glorious full moon above Ohio Stadium, and and someone said, like, oh, my gosh, like, look at that moon. And I said something like, I don't have time. I don't cover the moon. <laughs> so that is my attitude. It's like, if you're not paying me to know something, I'm paid to know at least 30 players on Ohio State's roster. I'm not technically – if my boss doesn't tell me to know four players on Rutgers, I don't know any players on Rutgers. Should I say that? I said it. Go ahead. I don't know any on I know one. I know Chris a couple. Chris Austin. I talked to him. He's a good guy. All right. Um – he also offers a recommendation for food. Um, have you had any of the best chicken and noodles on the planet from Nancy's Home Cooking on High Street? No. Not familiar, but we should go eat there. Yep. I did a quick Google search, 4.8 out of 5. So. Nice. 
Well, Look at the research on that. We will have to check this out. All right. Isaac Chips, he asks, what? I think we might have touched on this last week. What will be the snap percentage split between Dobbins and Weber this season? Will Ohio State do the quarter split thing they did with them at times last year or turn Weber into the primary third down back? Also, tell Doug to open his world to vinaigrette dressing. It's the best. Oh, God, no. Um, my my guess is something like 65-35. I think it should be 80-20, but I think it's going to be 65-35. 65-35 is what I said last week. That's yeah. probably why I said it, because you put it in my head and I had a dream about it. What's yours, Tim? Uh, I'd say, you know, 60, I'd say 70-30. And I kind of, I don't think that Ohio State should do the quarter split thing. I don't like that idea because I don't want to pull a guy, like, if he's running, I don't want to pull J.K. Dobbins out if he's got 70 yards just because the second quarter's coming around. Like, oh, that's Mike's quarter. You're out of the game. But I ran 30. J.K.'s like, but I ran 30 yards. And like, yeah. you and you did a good job of that. Now it's Mike's turn. Yeah, that quarter breakdowns I don't think, I don't think work. I don't. I don't think it was a true quarter breakdown. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe I missed it. It was at least, I think one or two games might have gone into the quarter mold. I think Penn State might have been quarters, at least part of the game. <coughs> but yeah. the idea of Mike Weber being the third down back is, I don't like it. Well, they, they need one because JT Barrett was a third down back last year. Right. Well, it interests me because we've seen Mike Weber at times, you know, catch the ball out of the backfield. Show, like, who's your best pl- Who's your best player? Who's your best player on J.K. Dobbins. So take him out of the game on third down. He's not. It's not like it's not like J.K. Dobbins is is Lamichael James, and Mike Weber is Legarrette Blunt. Is that a thing? It's not like it's it's not like Mike Weber weighs forty pounds more, and that like J.K. Dobbins is a scat back. No, I, I and I think people some people do think that. I and I would disagree with that. Um, Weber's a little bigger, but he's, yeah, he's not, he's, I think Weber is like six foot or no, Weber's like 5'10", 5'11", like 220 and Dobbins is like 5'10", 215 or something like that. JK's like a, I think JK's like a pretty powerful guy too. I think Mike Weber is. Very powerful, yeah. But again, people are saying that like, we've had people say they think Mike Weber's faster than JK. So it's like, all right, well then what's JK? I don't know. I'm in on JK and it's not that I'm out on Mike Weber. I think people – J.K. did that as a true freshman. That is not That is not the best that J.K. Dobbins will be. No, and he and we've said it a thousand times during the season. He didn't get enough carries last year. He could have easily gotten probably 20, 30 more carries and really done something even even crazier than what he did this, this past year. J.K. Dobbins is listed at 5'10", 214. And Mike Weber, what number is Mike Weber? 25. 25. I want to do the list thing now. I would be terrible. I'm, I'm worse now. Uh, Mike Weber is 5'10", 214. Okay. They're the exact same the size. exact same size. <laughs> there goes that narrative. Um, get back to food. Again, Kelvin Corbin. Do other people ask questions besides... Oh, yeah. Let's get other people in the mix. Okay, yeah. Let's go. Aaron Wenzel at Aaron J. Wenzel. What's up, Aaron J. Wenzel? Uh, we touched on this a little bit. Urban talked about having a tough convo with Joe Burrow and his family. Did you interpret that as him saying Haskins was ahead of Burrow coming out of the spring? I asked him that. Um, Ari asked Urban about the conversation and like, the nature of it. And, like, and, and Urban 
talked about like all the data they compiled and like had a conversation with Joe and all that stuff. And then like Urban said what he said and said the talk conversation thing again. And I said, so in the end, you came out. Dwayne was ahead, and he said yes. So it was there was nothing to like there was no implication because I asked Urban specifically that Dwayne come out on top, and he said yes. Yeah, and I I think that's part of it is we thought. Our impression coming out of the spring when Urban Meyer didn't name a starter was that it was close, that it was very close, and it ended up being true. And, Bill, I think you, you wrote about this as well. I did. Can you hear the squeaky bed on the podcast? Yeah, you can hear that. Sorry if you've been hearing a squeaky yeah. bed. And I apologize last week I held the gong up, the gong sounds app up too close to the phone, I think. Did it blow people's ears out? Have you, do you think this is true? If you list in order... Through the spring and right until to today, list in order who Urban Meyer has said the most positive things about. Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow, and Tate Martell. What is the order of most positive things he said? Like who has he talked about most positively? Yeah, who has he said the most positive things about? Joe, the, Joe Burrow. And who's second? Tate Martell. And who's third? Dwayne Haskins. Why? Uh, cause he wants to do some BS about knocking Dwayne down before you build him up and like make him a leader and got to earn it and all that stuff, even though he's the most talented guy ever. Yeah. Because, cause guess what? Dwayne Haskins is awesome and Dwayne Haskins knows he's awesome. Yeah. So Urban's not going to say it. So if you are interpreting all the great things he said about Joe Burrow and all the great things he said about Tate Martell as like any idea that like, Oh, like is Dwayne ha- the less that's that's how good Urban Meyer thinks Dwayne Haskins is, he won't say anything good about him. Yeah. Okay, including this, what do you, so what do you say we do three more? Um, th- here's do a- as many from the greatest variety of people, and I know people, some people thought we haven't gotten to their questions. Let's get to as many different people as we can get. Oh, yeah. I forgot to check the email. Yeah, we're not doing emails this week. Okay. We'll get, we'll get to them next week. All right, Aaron Wenzel. Favorite restaurant at the North Market besides Hot Chicken Takeover? He says his is Katzinger's. Uh, mine's Katzinger's. Mine's Burger King. Mm-hmm. I'm all about Destination Donuts because they have gigantic donuts. There's a place that makes, uh, what are those French cookies called? Mac, Mac- Macaron? Macaron. I was going to say Macaron, but that's the president of France. <laughs> yeah. Mac- macaroons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's called Pist- Pistachio Vera, I think it's called. The place is good. Yeah. One place I want to try is Market and Boar. I'm a big barbecue person, as you probably have already figured out by now. I love a good barbecue. I'm always looking for it, so I feel bad. I've yet to try Market and Boar. I'm going to check that out. Um, this one from Robbie Strock, and I think Urban touched on this a little bit. Robbie Strock. How important will... When you say that, I feel like you're about to say something else after you say his name. So nope, I'm just saying the names of people that I know are loyal listeners and followers. All right. Loyal listener Robbie Strzok. How important will it be to fill the leadership void now that JT Barrett is gone? And more importantly, who will fill the need? Maybe someone unexpected? It's obviously important. I don't know. Unexpected, I'm not sure. Like the receivers, or the, if you ask Urban that, the, the first group of players he would say are the receivers. Yep. Um, I was pretty impressed with Isaiah Prince at Big Ten Media Days. I, I was shocked that he was there to begin with. 
and then he handled himself very well. Like, not that it's surprising that he would, but it's just like he is averse to talking to us during the season, and then he sat there and he answered questions well and, like, uh, had a good presence about him and was talking about the freshman class. He said something like, uh, somebody's like, oh, what do you think of the freshman class? He's like, I like this freshman class because they work, and, like, they don't, they didn't show up thinking they were better than anybody, and they put the work in, and, like, I really respected that. And I was like, you sound like a castle when you're talking right now. Which, uh, I don't know. And he hugged you. And then he hugged me. Um, I don't know if I would have assumed that about Isaiah Prince. Maybe he's a guy, Michael Jordan's a guy. I'm naming all offensive players. Draymond Jones, Tough Borland. Um, there's a lot of guys. Like, I don't know if there's a JT on the roster, but. And I think that's okay. Yeah. But, and, but I think there are a lot of guys who collectively can help make up for it. Yeah. I think the receivers stick out to me a little bit. Paris Campbell, Terry McLaurin. (coughs) Um, but I think those are the only returning captains were the receivers. If, if I remember correctly. So I think that sometimes when you have a guy like JT Barrett, who was great for the program, was a great guy, was a great leader. Everybody said it, one of the best leaders you ever saw. But he sucks up a lot of the leadership. And I think, and I think I said this before, I think this 2017 class, these sophomores, and guys like Nick Bosa, some of the juniors, I think there are people who are ravenous to lead. Because they had so many seniors last year, so many dominant seniors. And they loved them. They loved JT Barrett and Billy Price and Tracy Sprinkle and Chris Worley. They loved, they had so many captain candidates. But I think this year, and we talked about this, they have 10 seniors on the whole roster, right? Mm-hmm. And they have like six or seven that matter. Yeah. They have a lot. I think this is going to be a team driven by younger guys. Last year was seniors. This year is going to be younger guys. I think there are going to be a lot of these sophomores who are going to play. Chase Young, J.K. Dobbins, Jeffrey Okuda, Baron Browning, who who want this. And I think there's uh, some of these juniors, Nick Bosa, who have been waiting for this. And I think as much as they loved their senior teammates last year, they were dying to make this their team. Because I think some of those younger guys, especially the ones that have been like the Nick Bosa class. Yeah, the 16 class is interesting. The Nick Bosa class feels like Ohio State hasn't been good enough the last two years. And that's not a shot at anybody. But they got to the playoff and got their doors blown off, and then they had the inexcusable loss to Iowa that kept them out of the playoff. And I think that Nick Bosa class feels like we're going to change that. It's our time, and they are backed up by these sophomores, and I think there will be a different vibe. And while I agree there are some good older leaders like the receivers and that kind of thing, I think we are going to get a younger vibe from this team, and I think there's going to be a different energy. And I think, as Urban talked about, building and not maintaining, I think it's good for the energy to change because when you have a guy like JT Barrett who's around for five years, JT Barrett set the tone for what Ohio State did 14, 15, 16, 17. Mm -hmm. It was JT Barrett's team to some degree. Because even though they had a lot of other guys and Ezekiel Elliott, Joey Bush, all that stuff, like JT was even a leader of that group. Yeah. That's going to change, and I think there are a lot of guys who are ready for a change. That 16 class, just a list of names, because like I said, it's it's Bosa, it's Jonathan Cooper, Demario McCall, Austin Mack, Dwayne Haskins, Benjamin Victor, Keandre Jones, Michael Jordan, Jordan Fuller, uh, Luke Farrell, Tough Borland. That's a lot of core guys. George Lee Fuller, Harrison. Jordan Fuller, Michael Jordan, Austin Mack, Dwayne Haskins. They're waiting for this. Yeah, yeah. They've been dying for this, to be the guys. Dwayne Haskins is dying to be the guy. And I think this is the thing that 
is always interesting. We've we've talked in the past, you know, how good the 16 class was and how the 17 class topped that, and how the 18 class probably even topped that. In some respects, is probably ranked even better than that. Is when you stack these classes, eventually when you get to that that third back class is when you really start to see the effect of these great classes. We know when they've been in the program for a couple of years. Now, Bill, you rattled off all those names. Now those are guys that. Ohio State is counting on to have success. You have that, and you have the depth of the 17 class that's going to be scattered all over the depth chart. You're going to see it all over the place. That's when you really see these impact recruiting classes make a mark. It's not that first year, maybe not even that second year. It's that third year when you have a really good recruiting class coming the year after. He's nodding his head in approval. Um, cough. Okay, this one from Facade of Fate at X Facade X. Imagine an Facade. Imagine an alternate universe where Michigan is beating Ohio State every year like now. The transfer comes in and beats Michigan. As a fan, does that diminish the victory at all? I think it would some. Been arguing Michigan with Michigan fans about this regarding Shea Patterson. Your thoughts? Um I think a reindeer could come down and quarterback Michigan to a win over Ohio State, and it wouldn't diminish it. A robot, a frickin' coffee-pouring robot could do it. Like, beggars can't be choosers. If you, if anyone, yeah. if you can help us beat Ohio State, put on a jersey and we want you. I understand the question. I understand the question. And I th- but I also think Shea Patterson is different than Russell Wilson. Like, the Russell Wilson thing is kind of bullcrap. Like graduate, like a one-year graduate transfer, it's like everything that Russell will, and like Russell, like Wisconsin claims Russell Wilson now. Yeah. Everything about Russell Wilson was formed at NC State, and he's then it's a like hired gun, yeah. he was a hired gun. Uh, Shea Patterson's different than that. He's immediately eligible, but he's on a grad transfer, and like even like Joe Burrow's going to LSU, but he's going to be there two years. Yeah. A one-year grad transfer who like is the best player on your team. I, I think that would feel like a mercenary a little bit, yeah. which is, I think, the point of the question. Yeah, I, I don't think that fits Patterson. I, I, would, yeah, I would agree with that. Right. What's the one phrase I say over and over again? The ends justify the means. I don't, That's I've, a phrase I've, you say over and I've over again? I've never heard you say that. I've ever. said that at least two or three times on this podcast. That's not true, because if I would have, I would have told you to not speak in cliches. Put it on the t-shirt. It, it's not a cliche of Machiavelli said that centuries ago. All right, next question. All right, food question from Does e- he have a podcast? Tupac. <laughs> from Eloy Hernandez at Eloy017. I'm sorry for saying your name wrong last week. Dippin' Dots or regular... Eloy. Dippin' Dots or regular ice cream. Ever tried flan? Don't. I've had flan. Some uh, Mexican restaurants serve flan, and I think it's good. My daughter did a report on Portugal in elementary school, and she made flan. Uh, don't hate on flan. <clears throat> Dippin' Dots, to me, feels like robot astronaut ice cream. That Like, oh, we couldn't have real ice cream, so we made little, like, ice cream balls that you put, like, in a deep freeze for, like, after the apocalypse. And it's like, oh, the apocalypse, I survived it, I want some ice cream. And it's like, well, of course you can't have out real ice cream. All the ice cream makers were vaporized in the apocalypse. But here's a little dot of ice cream, so I'm out on Dippin' Dots. I want real... <clears throat> Ice cream. Yes. <laughs> gong! 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 Okay. Tim, argue why Dippin' Dots are better than ice cream. Gong! Okay, okay because Dippin' Dots come in a nice smaller container. <laughs> You're going to wake up the neighbors. They come in a smaller container, It's and it's not a mess. You know, sometimes mm. ice cream can melt, and it's a mess. Dippin' Dots rarely melt. 
they're you know self they're self contained and they still taste very similar to ice cream. <laughs> and if you can't get the real ice cream, Dippin' Dots is the next best thing. And when you're at a stadium, do you see ice cream around? Yes. No, in baseball, yeah. not baseball always. Helmets. They serve it in baseball helmets. But wherever you go, like at an amusement park, there's Dippin' Dots all over the place. I was at Cedar Point two weeks ago. There's dipping. There's like at least two dipping dots. And that's I, a big ass park, man. That's not impressive. Did you get the dipping dots? Did no, you get I didn't. See the point? I no. did not. But one thing I did notice: not a lot of calories in those. I think the LOL size, their biggest, not very caloric. Not very <laughs> caloric. Bill, you're not. What do you give him on? What do you rate him on his uh, dipping dots? Uh, rant. That's a, that's a, a one. <laughs> you liked it. What if I said James? What if I said James Vandenberg likes Dippin' Dots? All right. That, uh, someone told me when I was younger that the inventor of Dippin' Dots went to a high school that I hated when I was a kid. So I didn't like Dippin' Dots, and then I found out that, that wasn't true. But I still don't like Dippin' Dots. One time when I was in, can I say this? When I was in college, one of the guys in my fraternity was high, and another guy told him that. The middle sister on Full House died, and the guy started crying. <laughs> Stephanie Tanner? Yeah. Oh, Told him that Stephanie... But she didn't die. She's not dead. She's still alive. She's yeah. on Fuller House. Yeah, but he, oh. was, he was so sad that Stephanie Tanner was dead. So I like when people uh, lie to high people and make them cry. <laughs> I, wasn't, right. I wasn't high. I was a child. <laughs> oh, that's a good story. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I think we're pretty much is that it up on unique questions. There's a couple I think we've sort of touched on. Like Alan Kitchen asks, "Is Urban Meyer in trouble?" There certainly will be no shortage of outrage, genuine and not so genuine, regarding what he knew about Zach Smith. Can you see the snowballing to him getting fired, or did he handle the situation exponentially, exponentially enough to avoid losing his job? And he tweeted this after your story. Also, just read Doug's article. Would still love to hear you guys expound on my question and give your gut feeling, see if you're comfortable. I know this is a little different than what we'd usually ask a gut feeling for and understand if you're uncomfortable giving it. I've had a lot of conversations with people, um, mostly also in the media. You just try to get a feel for, like, where your head is and where other people's heads are about this. Um, there are some people who, who, who can see a path to where this could be big trouble for Urban. Um, and I think we went over that earlier. I, that, my gut instinct is, is not there. At the moment, my initial gut in reaction to all of this, and then even whatever Urban said today, I'm I'm not there, and I, and I'm not really close to there to think that that with what we know and and how he said it, again maybe it wasn't perfect, but I don't think we're anywhere close to major trouble for Urban. Only if something comes out that we don't know about right now. Yeah, I'm in the same place. Um, there's 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 a scenario there. We, we talked about it, um, but I don't. I don't see it at the moment. Yeah, right now it just looks like a big PR perception hit for Urban. Yeah, and that's kind of you know if that's if that's the worst that happens for Ohio, for Ohio State, then that's no problem. And then last one from Austin Chapel. We kind of touched on this yesterday when I wrote about Gary Wilson. He asked, "Will the negative press of Zach Smith hurt future recruiting?" We really touched on this yesterday. Just kind of a, maybe a synopsis for those that didn't. I I I don't think so. And like I was talking with some guys at Media Day who who were more plugged into the recruiting world than I am, and uh, they for the most part also 
agreed that they don't think it's going to be a major hit. Like on, on an individual basis, maybe there's one, two, or three guys that Zach Smith was recruiting. Um, but as things stand now, I would not expect it to have a, a tremendous impact, or, or, or I think it'll have very little impact. The only way it becomes a problem in recruiting is if, if it means something for Urban's future, and I, and I think we're in agreement that at the moment it doesn't. Yeah, he also asked top five candidates for receiver coach after the season. Don't really have one, but... Tart line. I mean, we talked about it on Monday. Um, do you, uh, uh, Is your gut instinct that Hartline's going to be the full-time guy? I mean, we know he's going to be the guy now. No, I... I don't know that. No, I, I, I'm not ready to say that yet. I think he'll be named interim receivers coach, but I don't know if he'll be the guy full term. Yeah. I think he's going to have to help land a big prospect to really convince Urban to want to keep him around because as much, you know, we talked about obviously <clears throat> he's got a good pedigree from the NFL, almost 5,000 career yards. Urban also wants guys who can recruit. And Brian Hartland hasn't really had to do that. So he's going to have to go out and help land a guy that is going to really, you know, raise some eyebrows to Urban and be like, okay, I can trust this guy. I can make him full time. And th- like I said that yes on Monday, it's a form. It's essentially a form plus month job interview for Brian Hartline. I, I don't really have doubts about Brian Hartline's ability to do any of it, um, but I think he has to show it. And I think regardless of what he does, Ohio State may owe it to itself to go have a search. Can we get access to Urban's wedding party photo so that he can find Ohio State's next receivers coach? I'm on it. Okay. <laughs> All right, and we'll end with this from Austin. We could probably just say this real quick. Favorite Open play- records request for <laughs> Urban, the photo of Urban's groomsmen. <laughs> <laughs> we- There's like an intern in the records office going through Urban's wedding album. And it's like, I don't know if this is right under Ohio law, but the email was pretty convincing, so I'm going to need this. The worst, the worst thing that will happen is they say no. I'm gonna send it. I want to send it just so that Dead Deadspin can then get the records yeah. and, and do a story sure. about how I did an open records request for Urban's wedding right. photos. And then we can just answer this real quick, and I think we'll be done because we're we're getting close to two hours. We haven't gone under two hours, and I don't know how long. Well, how much podcast. Tim and I did when you were in here? How much does the emergency pod, you yeah. know, cut this down a little bit? The intimate, the intimate feel of Tim and Bill. You know, you know where you can get the intimate feel of Tim and Bill. Uncle Tim's playtime. <laughs> also, also at Underground, Chicago's sexiest yeah. nightclub, which is where we're headed shortly. Oh my God! It's the guys from Uncle Tim's radio show. Put him in the celebrity booth. We're gonna sit sit him in the spot for the number one celebrity who never shows up, but they reserved that spot for him. All right. What's the last question? All right. Real quick, we can just answer this from Austin. Favorite place to get fried chicken? We could probably just say in one sentence. Uh, my grandmother's home in Pembroke, North Carolina. Oh my God, that is so sweet. <laughs> does she make it? Does she like cut the head off a chicken and then fry it up like that? Uh, I don't know. I, when, okay. when I get there, the chicken's already done. <laughs> Tim, what's your answer? Um, until I discovered hot chicken takeover, I would have said Bob Evans when they had the roasted chicken when they really pressure cook it. Is it like a chicken that like wears a tank top and sunglasses has a better haircut? No, it's it's like pr- it's like pressure it's like pressure fried chicken. They put it in a pressure cooker and it, it doesn't taste as fattening, but you still get some juice in the meat. It's pretty quality. It's it's fried chicken, but you feel better about it. But it's like they take a little chicken and they put him in a little chicken football game <laughs> and they tell him that he has to get a first down on third and two. It's pressure <laughs> cooked, and then you eat him. Yeah, but right now I would say hot chicken takeover. I go to a little place. Uh, 
<laughs> Started in Kentucky by an old man who found a recipe for 57 spices. I'll tell you what. And then subsequently got the founder of a national pizza chain fired. We're out of control. <laughs> Thank you to shopohiostate.com for sponsoring us. If you're going to... If you want to yank the sponsorship after this podcast, we would understand. Listen, we're a little delirious. It was a strange day. We normally just play grab ass, and then it was like, this is real stuff. So it's like we had to be serious, and we were. I hope we gave you guys good coverage today. We tried to take it very seriously. We tried to do the best we could. Um, I don't think we asked perfect questions, um, but we asked a lot of them, and we tried to um, – Get Urban Meyer on the record and hold Urban Meyer accountable the best we could. And I do think in situations like this, um, I don't think this is the end of this. I don't know that there's a ton more to it, but I think it is important to get an explanation on the record that stands as the first draft of this. And then you have something that if, and, and again, there is no implication, it's only a possibility. If later there is more discovered, we have words on the record and so we had to do that today we did we wanted to get as much clarified as possible we wanted to get as much covered as possible we wanted as little ambiguity as possible i said ambiguity to urban is ambiguity i think it's ambiguity i like the gu i like gu as a phrase and i said it wrong i feel bad we wanted to get rid of the ambiguity because we we don't want any doubt if something happens later we want to be able to come back to today and not have any doubt about what was said and what was meant. So I think that was one of our primary goals. And again, the, the result of that is that Bill gets there early and is staking out Urban Meyer, gets some answers. But then you get the mic first. You take the mic first in that news conference and, and you're trying to almost follow up on yeah. what you got earlier I didn't... because you're trying to make sure – you have it straight. Yeah, we got cut off. Like talking, we, we we grabbed Urban right before he was going to do like his rounds with BTN and ESPN in a separate part of the hotel where Media Day is. And there was a follow up question that I did not get to ask him in that short exchange that I wanted to ask him. So I wanted to make sure that I got the mic first to ask it. So we're, we're just we're we're trying to. We didn't. There were other questions. I got some a little blowback on Twitter that some people said, "Well, what about this and this and this?" And yeah. there are other there are there sure. was a lot of readers suggested great questions that could have been asked. But I think at some point we didn't want to stray too far afield from the basic core questions. And I think we were trying – sometimes we ask the same question two and two or three times to try to nail it down because Urban was – I thought pretty decent and forthright. But sometimes he can just get a little off track all normally, just given an answer. And, and you didn't want to go back two months from now and say, well, he said this, but what did he mean? We, we wanted to get not just what he said, but what he meant. And I think we did a decent job of that. And so we have this day. We have what they say they knew. And at the moment, I'm going to go by that. But we're going to continue to report on this, and we'll see if it leads us anywhere else. Yep. Thank you to the Ohio State University Barnes & Noble Bookstore on the corner of 11th and High Street. Make sure you swing by. Or visit them at shopohiostate.com. Thanks to you guys for listening. We're going to have a lot more stories coming out. We think camp starts what day? August camp starts 3rd. August 3rd. It was confirmed by Urban. Camp starts August 3rd. 
So that's how far is that? That is a week from Friday. A week from Friday. So we have about 10 days. We have a lot of stories. We're going to be writing leading up to camp. We have a lot of stuff that we gathered. Um, so look for that. And then when camp starts, it's go time. And we'll be there. So uh, follow us on Twitter at Tim Bielek, at Bill Landis 25 at Doug Maurice at Buckeye Talk Pod. You can always send your questions at Buckeye Talk Pod. That's good. You can send email questions. We'll get to the email questions next week. What's the email again? BuckeyeTalkPod at gmail.com. Um, and make sure you read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. So the underground is calling. We're going to head out and see if we're the biggest celebrities there. We'll give you guys an update on that. But for now, for Bill Landis and Tim Bielek, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.